Cause I'm in too deep And I'm trying to keep the butt in my head Instead of going under Cause I'm in too deep And I'm trying to keep the butt in my head Instead of going under Instead of going under Yeah, let's go! Alpha Chrome, yeah, yo! Who? Who is that? Alpha Crow. Yeah, yeah. All I, all I hear is like William or something. I think his name's William, right? He's from Belfast. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely William. Yes, indeed. That's, <laughs> the, 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 that's the, our in-joke for the day that maybe we will, maybe three people would get. And I know exactly what three people would get this joke. So, yeah, it will be very funny for our listeners. Yes, I'm sure they'll love it. So, but yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. With the guests and everything, we will we'll steer into the deep or in the deep end. I, yeah, I can never remember. You know that. But yes, so I will, <laughs> I will rename the podcast right now. So we're into the deep now. And we're actually into the end. All right, that's it. It's I'm done. calling it's it. It's done. It's over. Into the end. Yes. So we're into the end, towards the end. We're almost at the final credit scene. And everything has happened, and but we still have a whole backlog of games to get through. So we'll have to talk about it and get them out of our way. So, Jesse, what have you played? I will start with a Ubisoft game. No, not again. We need like a, a horn or something that plays every time we say Ubisoft. Yes, yes, definitely. We, we, we need a kind of a sound effect or something. So we will turn into those obnoxious podcasts that have... Uh, sounds and stuff going on and jump scare like woo yeah <laughs> wow uh, yeah Watch Dogs Legion I've been playing uh, a year late of course mm-hmm. but why not right yep um, have you played any Watch Dogs games no I would actually like to but I'd never get around to it okay well see this is I put this one off you know, I picked it up cheap recently, 15 mm-hmm. of your poundos. I played the first one a little bit, and it was bad. The second one was surprisingly good, which a lot of people know uh, if they did play it. It's it's actually quite good, um, set in San Francisco. But this one, when it was um, announced last year, I, I believe, at last E3, uh, you know, Watch Dogs Legion, it's set in London, and it's just... I, it something about it really turned me off the uh the way they announced it it's just you know meme stereotype of london and you know you get to <laughs> swap between all these people and uh, you know i think it's kind of a we'll get we'll get there but we'll get into the <laughs> into the game in a second but the uh, i don't know i think I, I, insensitive is the wrong word right but Mm. It's just the time that this came out, we were, you know, last last November, we were dealing with COVID and Brexit and all these things. And they Ubisoft knew what they were doing and really played into this, uh, you know, and the, the game is set in a kind of futuristic dystopian London. And mm-hmm. there's these European processing facilities where they put Europeans who are trying to get into the country <laughs> And uh, topical, and, yeah. This this private, you know, security uh, company is now taken up, been taken over all of like 
the police services and everything. So everything's gone privatized. And it's, uh, you know, uh, for another podcast, I will save the Ubisoft and politics. But, you know, what I will say is there's just a lot of stuff that is way too relevant in this game and uh, mm-hmm. what i was really surprised by is that you can buy face masks in the game and I, I, and i'm talking about you can buy normal face you know like because you put on a mask when you're doing something illegal uh but you you can uh, for some reason at every shop they've got actual medical face masks and i'm thinking they clearly put this in here because of what is going on in the world uh, and then you remember this came out a year ago when things were looking pretty bleak. Like, why did Ubisoft decide to put in medical face masks? Like, as as in you can buy like eight different types at every shop with different patterns and stuff. And I don't know. That's weird. The game actually better than I anticipated, mm-hmm. but kind of boring. Like, it's still a bit cookie cutter. Um. You know, you go around. Triple A bloat. Yeah, there's like a lot of, there's all these side, I've just been beelining the main story because the side, there's like side missions you can do, but they're pointless. Like you say, it's bloat. The recruiting mechanics kind of interest, more interesting than I thought, where each, you can either turn permadeath on or off. um, Mm -hmm. And each, you go around and you you kind of scan people's stuff because you know everyone has all this kind of technology on them and you find out about them and like you can recruit a construction worker or or a uh, ambulance driver and then they will have special perks so like if you're going uh ha- if you have to hack into a hospital you uh recruit an ambulance driver and then you you switch to that character and then you can kind of access the area without being detected um, because they think you work there and there's some kind of clever things like that but at the heart of it it's kind of just like watchdogs too you you have the same puzzles where you go up and you like do a little hacking puzzle and you know it's just kind of this more of the same like three four years late after two came out and uh yeah it's, it's worth playing if you have nothing else to play i mean i'm just playing it to pass some time at the moment mm-hmm. whatever you've been playing well I've been playing uh, for my usual indie fix. I've been playing unpacking. I've been unpacking, unpacking. Wow, nobody has done that joke before. Yeah, I'm interested uh, in this one. Yes, it's. Uh, uh, I haven't finished it yet, but yeah, I played it for like an hour or something. Uh, I really love the concept, which is, of course, if. Any of our listeners haven't played it. It's just, yeah, unpacking. You basically got these boxes laying around uh, rooms of a house. And you have to open them up and pick up the objects that you find inside. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, action figures and uh, small portable gaming consoles, books and socks. Oh, there's a lot of socks in this episode. Yes. And then socks Mm. and... Uh, t-shirts and whatever and you have to put them in the room and this interesting thing is of course all these objects tell a story there's a strong narrative through objects because there's very little of actual narrative going on 
so it's really all about memories and the story and the, the emotions that we attach to objects and stuff, but not in a yeah, not in a materialistic kind of way, you know, sad way. Uh, but yeah, in a way that it's interesting that makes you think that yeah, each of the objects that maybe one has in their homes tell a story of who they were and where how many houses they have moved to and stuff and also made me realize that i will have to move myself in less than a month and that uh, gave me a bit of anxiety but yeah that's just me uh but yeah the game is really cute has a really great audio design and does not force you i mean it could easily devolve in, into a puzzle game as in find the space to put everything in the right place and right order and stuff but it, there's very little of that there is some of that in that that when you've unpacked everything, the game asks you to reorganize some of the stuff. But yeah, it's very, very little and actually makes sense uh, in that, of course, you can't leave as I did, like books on the bed and stuff like that. So but yeah, it's uh, so far, it's very uh, wholesome. Yeah, that's a term I hate. Uh, it's very uh, comforting. And does it uh, does it do anything new, or is it is the whole game just unpacking things, or are there any surprises along the way? Uh, as I said, I haven't finished it yet, so I not one hundred percent. But up until now, it's just been uh, unpacking and moving stuff to whatever place you feel like they belong, and that's it. Very very simple gameplay, kind of feng shui kind of vibe too. But yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're into that kind of relaxing experience, it's uh, great. I mean, for me today was just what I needed. So, yep. Your turn. Okay. So this one is on Game Pass Echo Generation. Have you Game checked this out? Pass. Game Pass Echo Generation. No. Nope. It's on the Xbox Game Pass. Uh, which I don't have. So okay. that's your answer. You should get it. Everyone should have Game Pass, even if you just play on PC. This podcast is sponsored by Xbox. Oh, please. Please do. <laughs> please sponsor us. Somebody sponsor us. We got a lot of sponsors today. A lot of socks and a lot of sponsors. Great. Um, yeah, but Echo Generation is... I talked last week about Moonglow Bay. Yep. Uh, and this one is also eerily... This one is from Canada, set in Canada, and also has the same... Uh, art style where, uh, that I described in that one, which I it slips my mind right now what it's called, mm. but it's that kind of Minecrafty the one from the tourist basically v- v- Vectral something, vo- mm. vo- not voxel maybe anyway. Um, voxel, yeah. It's uh, you're set in a little Canadian town, but it's mm-hmm. it's a callback to NES RPGs. Uh, where you know it's turn-based you have a party you're you're like a teenage boy and it's set in a kind of a wacky world you're like in a suburb and you kind of leave your house and um you uh, you you start off fighting these raccoons that are in your your street they're like uh going through garbage cans and you like encounter them and then that's like the tutorial is like doing attacks and defenses against these raccoons that actually talk to you and uh you know and then the the um the story kind of goes places and it, it it gets very X-Files sci-fi. It's set like late eighties, early nineties, I think like maybe 93. 
and it, mm-hmm. so it's got, got that kind of Stephen King vibe, uh, Stranger mm. Things kind of sprinkled in, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's very sci-fi. It's got this great great soundtrack uh, that's really like synth wavy kind of you know uh, futuristic what what they thought futuristic would be in the eighties and. The art is really good. This is a real... I think a lot of people are going to sleep on this game, and it is probably going to be in my Game of the Year discussion. Because, And I'm not even a fan of turn-based RPGs. It's just oh. the, the cinematography, as you go run through like fields and you unravel this mystery of what's going on, this creepy sci-fi, you know, men in black suits turn up, and this what's going on in your, your little town. And... You know, you you run through this cornfield and it's at dusk, at, at dusk and at the sun setting, and you can just see like the red glow above the crops, and there's story things in the background which I won't say because it, you know it give give the story away, but it's just some of the best imagery I've seen in a game, and it's just a like a two two point five dimension basic game, and it's it's so good. Like I recommend you you and anyone listening go and try that because i don't even like rpgs that much and this one's really clicked with me hmm. you've almost sold me on it that's good all right a job well done and uh as much as i would like to sell you on uh, undying unfortunately uh, i'm afraid i can do that oh Undying is, um, unfortunately, it's not Clay, Clive Barker's Undying, while I would very much like that. Uh, it's, uh, I think, a game from China. I should have probably looked it up earlier. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's uh, surely from, uh, uh, yeah, one of those countries from yeah, way over there. Um you play, it's a very tragic story. You play as a mother with a small child who's like uh, seven or eight years old, something like that. And in a post-apocalyptic, after zombies attack kind of thing, you know, like uh, The Road or The Walking Dead, if one is more familiar. Basically a bit of... Um, a kind of survival gameplay that you have to get around and gather resources and food and medical supplies and combine stuff to repair things and blah blah blah. You know, you know that kind of gameplay. Uh, I well, I'm very much not entirely convinced up until now. I mean, uh, the whole there's something weird going on in that the whole thing is that you the mother gets bitten. In the introduction. So it's pretty clear where this is going. Right. At one point, she will probably die, I guess. I mean, yeah. That's what happens if you get bitten by a zombie. So there's this whole thing that you have to teach your son how to survive. And, uh, you know, so that when she passes away, he can carry on. And I thought this was an interesting mechanic. But it's barely used, at least in the couple of hours I've been playing uh, it's barely there. It's a, uh, Basically, you can press a button to tell your kid to go do something in your stead, like, you know, rummaging through trash to look for resources and stuff. Uh, but that's, uh, that's it. 
that's all he does. Uh, I haven't been able to make him do anything else. I mean, I've tried to get him to prepare food and fight a zombie, uh, whatever. It, it doesn't do anything. It's not because he's a, he's afraid. It's just the game won't allow you to do it. To do it. <laughs> so your goal is to you play as the mother. Yes. And your goal is to kind of get him ready for when you inevitably fucking kick the bucket. Yes. And uh, uh, but it seems like your kid is not ready to learn anything. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's the message of the game or what. But no, I don't think so because you know you got the whole RPG systems and that you can level up skills, also his skills. So he's supposed to learn something, but. Either I'm doing something wrong or, yeah, he's not learning anything. And, of course, uh, as soon as you do something that the game is not anticipating, so if you explore in locations that are unlocked but you're not supposed to go there, you will get killed in an instance because, of course, you don't have strong weapons, you're almost defenseless, and they attack your kid and he gets uh, basically scared and he stops in his tracks and you have to go get him back. Uh, yeah, it's it's basically, uh, you know, uh, like uh, uh, The Walking Dead uh, crossed with uh, Eco. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's a match made in hell. If I have a good one. <laughs> so, thumbs down from you. Uh, not really a full thumbs down. Maybe I would give myself, you know, another hour or something. But yeah, bit on the fence and the whole uh, all the errors in the translation and the not very good voiceovers also kind of make me think that I would probably be giving this a six when I review it. Uh, because yeah, this. I mean, I I wanted to play it for the narrative, but there's very little narrative, and what little there is is pretty bad so oof yeah this is no clive barker ladies and gentlemen that's for sure have you been playing anything else yes indeed i will do tell very... because i yeah. i have those are my two games for this week okay so i have another two actually so i will uh, be done with another that i wasn't very convinced of right away which is the signal state the Signal State is a puzzle game, really. That's all I can say about it. It's um, I, I, I was interesting to I was interested to play it because it's uh, it's kind of a logical puzzles with um, modular synthesizers. So basically, you have to work on getting a signal from a source to an output, and getting out of it the desired frequency. Basically, each puzzle has a set of instructions saying, you know, you have to get source one from source one to output one a certain frequency, and you have a set of modules to use it. Like, you can amplify the frequency, you can uh, modify it, and you get a splitter that from one input you can create four inputs. So it gets, you know, complicated very fast. And uh, even if you're a fan of logical puzzles, I'm not such a big fan of logical puzzles. I'm a fan of modular synthesizers. I'm not much of a fan of logical puzzles. Uh, I was a bit... um, Yeah. Uh, I had fun for the first couple of of puzzles. Then basically the, the whole thing just repeats. And it feels like almost using an application 
feels like you're basically using like audacity or fruity loops not really playing a game uh, <laughs> and there is kind of an interesting narrative but it's yeah it's clearly an afterthought it's again another kind of post-apocalyptic scenario where uh, humankind has forgotten how to use technology and you're brought in to restore like this farm to its original to its original state bring back agriculture in a way so you have to restore the lights to the barn and all this stuff that sounds in maybe vaguely interesting on paper but yeah this just text on a screen in the game and so basically the two screens in the game are you know the text in the for the narrative and the one screen modular synthesizer stuff and things that you have to move around and connect with cables so yeah they're not they're not doing a good job if they want to attract maybe some kind of audience that is not just the very hardcore one uh they're not doing a good job because the the, the synthesizer are not really that well explained uh all the icons on the synthesizers are very small they have no text description so you have to spend a lot of time learning what each thing does and if you walk away from the game one day you've forgotten everything you have to start again from scratch so i mean compared to a software house like zactronics that they do this kind of games but they do them well uh, this is uh yeah this is kind of disappointing really i was waiting for that anticipating something a bit more interesting but yeah it's just puzzles and puzzle and puzzle after puzzle after puzzle and so i'm out so but let's end on a positive note with uh inspector waffles oh i've been interested in this tell me tell me so inspector waffles is uh, an adventure game uh, where you play as of course inspector waffles who is a cat and an inspector and a policeman a police cat sorry is a pole cat um so basically inspector waffle will be called in to solve a crime and he will have to use all of his skills and cat like cunning and ability and intelligence and stuff to solve the case and it's uh yeah it's a uses a kind of it basically uses pixel graphics for the yeah the main adventure which you know is okay i mean i'm not kind of through with pixel graphics but yeah it's okay in the game i'm kind of done with pixel graphics and it switches for the cutscenes to a very interesting comic book like um style which is i wish i like very much and yeah is uh it's not voiced so everything is just text very simple kind of adventure game but yeah very effective the puzzles are pretty logical and the jokes do not go too far in the whole you know cats versus dogs territory so they use the the shtick kind of a smart way which is something that you know appreciated because it's very easy to yeah kind of uh and like uh barking up the wrong tree ho <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean it's uh it's really well done. And uh, a while ago we were talking with uh, Julia Minamata. Hi Julia, if you're listening to us, she's not. <laughs> and yeah, we're talking with Julia, and she mentioned Inspector Waffles, and she said he has the cutest uh, hint system ever, which is basically Inspector Waffles had this kind of uh, difficult relationship with his mother because of course she is very 
kind of patronizing and you know she still thinks of him as a kid uh, but yeah, you can call her up in the game. Of course, she's kind of reluctant to do so. But yeah, you can call her up and she will give you uh, direct hints. And yeah, it's, it's a very great design idea. It fits in the in the universe of the game. It does not take you out, uh, even if you're kind of yeah cheating, you know, using a hint system. And but yeah, it's well done. And so for any adventure fans out there, it's a uh, very interesting uh, adventure games, fun, it's lighthearted. It's something that I think all fans of the genre will like, and also fans of cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria, yes, and that's what well was my Ghostbusters reference for the day. So my quota is done. So my job here is done. Well, if your job here is done, why don't you tell us who the guest is? Tell us a little bit about them. No, so I said my job here is done. Do you hear the... That, that's no. a disappearing bit. That's no, no, no. You're still there. Oh, shit. Didn't work. <laughs> Never works. So, yeah. Our guest of, for the guest of today is a musician, actually. He is uh, known on the internet as Alpha Chrome Yayo. Or Alpha Chrome Yayo. Yes. Is... Uh, is yeah, his real name is Peter. I'm surely pronouncing pronouncing this uh, incorrectly. Peter McCalkin? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he pronounces it uh, differently. I think he also pronounces differently William, because I, I pronounce it William, but he says it, his name is Peter, so we, we're not sure right now, but yes. <laughs> uh, so we will just call him Alpha, Alpha Chrome. And yes, he's a, a musician. He does all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's, it does synthwave, it does jazz, he, he did songs on lots of different things, and but he's also inspired by gaming. So maybe we can hear what his shtick is, what his ideas are. Ah! Uh, so, so Peter, uh, I'm curious. Tell me, how did you get into the whole uh, being a musician as a day job? <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing. I mean, I, I uh, I've, I've never been the kind of guy to do only one thing. You know, I've got loads of, I've had, and I can't have loads of weird jobs from, from making music to making radio programs to like film documentaries and like I worked in a comic book shop and I sold fruit and vegetables from the side of the road and all, and all <laughs> kinds of weird things. Like I've done all those things kind of all together at the same time and individually. Um, so right now I'm doing music and I do radio work too, but everything I do is kind of audio related. And I love that, you know, I've kind of always wanted to make audio and to make music, you know, in terms of music, like, I saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when I was very young. Like, it's my first memory, except for maybe buying, like, a burger or something, or my parents buying a burger. But the Bill and Ted memory's cooler. Um, and I was obsessed with it. You know, I was obsessed with, like, I was obsessed with everything about it. But mostly, I was kind of, even, like, at a really young age, I was so into how it sounded. Like, these kind of, like, kind of, like, Z-list hair metal bands, mostly on that soundtrack. But that's not a bad thing. They're all awesome. But for as long as I can remember, I wanted to kind of make sounds. Because that's what kind of got me on, on, on that path. 
uh, and like you know I, I had like piano and sax lessons when I was very young uh, my parents got me like an electric guitar when I was about 11 years old and man like my whole world just kind of exploded like even plugging this thing and touching it made the coolest sounds and I just kind of <laughs> wanted to make sounds forever and ever <laughs> and, and now that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's great and uh, so, but you moved, of course, from guitars to synthesizers because, uh, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say you're more of a synth wave musician right now with the, the whole Alpha Chrome Yayo yeah, project. It, it's a funny thing um, because when I started doing Alpha Chrome Yayo, well, when I started kind of playing synthesizers, actually, I originally bought like my first synth, like I think like five years ago, and I bought it to make soundtracks for the Dungeons and Dragons games that I was DMing and other like tabletop role playing games. I wanted to make mm-hmm. cool like Dungeons and soundtracks, um, just for me and my friends, which I did for a bit. And then um, that kind of it wasn't too far of a jump to kind of synthwave stuff, uh, which I adore. Uh, and it's funny because when I first started, like my music was kind of like almost sort of stereotypically synthwave, like fast cars and sort of neon skies type stuff. But I, mm-hmm. I, I'm a fickle dude, you know, so I kind of, I change what I sound like a lot, you know, so I put out music uh, that's kind of, um, it's like sometimes it's jazz, I've done like weird horror albums, I've done like albums about golf, which I've never even played, uh, so <laughs> I'm very fickle about what I play and what I sound like, and to me, it doesn't really matter what way people describe it, I've heard some people say it's synthwave, I've heard some people say it's anything except synthwave, you know, so I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't really... I've never been the kind of guy to stick to one thing or one genre, but you know, uh, like if I my, on my press release, I think I've just like it, I think it just says far out exotic music, which is the only way I can describe it. <laughs> so, so hopefully that kind of is, is a good catch-all. Um, but yeah, so that, that's how I got started. I started making weird kind of dungeon fantasy synth kind of stuff to, to soundtrack my own like uh, ro- like t- uh, tabletop role-playing games, and jumped into synths from there. And now I like mm-hmm. to fold in like sort of guitar and sax and any other weird and wonderful instruments that I can pretend to play. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, another one of your uh, inspiration for um, your musical project is uh, gaming. So I'm curious, how do these two things overlap? For, for me, the worlds of music and gaming, like they overlap massively. You know, I, I'm, I'm very, as you know, I'm very passionate about games, uh, especially game soundtracks. Um, I mean, I would go so far as to say the soundtracks to the Yakuza games have changed my life. You know, I, I really Whoa, fully yeah, mean that. I, I think those games in general have changed my life for the better. I mean, for me, the Yakuza games, to focus on that for a second, they're kind of like a kindness simulator. Like the main characters are always just, most of the quests or at least the side quests in those games revolve around just being nice and kind of doing the right thing and then going to karaoke bars afterwards and relaxing. And that's the kind of thing I can get on board with. Um, so loads of my, again, there was my early music. Like one of the first things I recorded was a cover of Baka Matai, one of the karaoke tracks from the Yakuza uh, series. Um, so like th- those worlds definitely overlap for me. And when I'm kind of, like I've released a few other gaming covers and when I'm kind of relaxing between making music or like just on an afternoon, I love kind of um, listening to game soundtracks and taking them apart and trying to work out what makes them cool. Uh, for me, the most exciting thing about music and games is just that sense of world building, whether it's like something I'm making myself music wise or something I'm listening to or a game I'm playing. If it's like a fully realized world, you can kind of live in for a bit that's huge for me and the sound of it is is a huge part of that as far as i'm concerned so it's almost kind of part and parcel 
like the same bit of my brain that the music and games occupy in a way i kind of think of them as part and parcel i was gonna ask what what is your favorite game music would it be yakuza i i think it probably would just because it means so much to me i mean if i'm having a drink with my friends I'm very often putting on those uh, those soundtracks, you know, and if I'm making dinner, I'm often listening to them as well. But there's so many other ones, you, you know, I, I love um, I, I love the I love Hypnospace Outlaw and the soundtrack that goes alongside it by J- Jay Tholen and friends. Yeah, um, awesome. There's so many I adore. Oh, it's so good. It's just um, it just feels again, that just feels like a weird, lovely slice of 90s living that I want to kind of live in. Um, mm-hmm. another, another soundtrack, which I don't think gets an awful lot of praise is the Planescape Torment soundtrack. And you'll have to forgive oh, me. Oh, that's a good one. The yes. dude's name has just popped out of my head. It's fallen out of my brain. Um, but it's so good. You know, there's something kind of weird and old and dusty about it. I think actually somewhere on my hard drive, there are a couple of covers from that game, which I might possibly put out uh, at some point. Um, yeah. So I, ha- I have so many. Uh, I mean, another one is like um, like the Pilot Wing 64 soundtrack. Uh um, God, what's the dude's name? Is Dan Hess, like a, a master of soundtracks. I mean, that uh, kind of instilled like a love of kind of weird jazz fusion in me from a tender age, you know? So there, there's so many. But if I had to pick a fave, it's probably going to be the Yakuza ones. Uh, I mean, those dudes at sort of Sega Sound Studio, just they just make magic as far as I'm concerned. It's it's real nice. Yeah, I agree. Because, uh, you know, there's something I think beautiful about video games having their, you know, their own music, like music that was written for them by musicians because you know sometimes people say you know my favorite video game soundtrack is vice city you know vice city is a solid compilation of you great tracks but you know they already existed before vice city was out so yeah i mean that's just a compilation it's not really the same thing as yakuza which is really another world so music is as an entirely different uh ambience and tone yeah I, I totally agree uh you know it's interesting there's some games like that like say the fallout games where if you think of the fallout soundtrack you know you're kind of thinking of galaxy news radio and stuff which is awesome you know i, I love the radio stations in that game but but they also have their own soundtrack with their own within you know in their own right as well which sometimes it's a shame that those original works i think get slightly overshadowed but I mean, I do love in-game radio as well. I should say because I mean, I mentioned earlier, I just I love radio as a format. So so it is cool. But I, I totally agree that um, that for me, there's something really special about like a specially crafted soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, of course, uh, it is the right time for me to bring up the usual soundtrack that I. Of course, it's an obscure one because yeah, it's me. And I always talk about it when we're talking about gaming soundtracks. It's actually two games, but by the but it's the same musician, which is uh, Terry Scott Taylor. And he did the Neverhood soundtrack from 1996, the adventure game. And then he did the soundtrack for Skull Monkeys, which is the sort of sequel on the PlayStation in 1998. And they're both very special because uh, the Neverhood is one of the, I think, the strangest soundtrack, gaming soundtrack you probably ever hear. Because it's basically just... 80% just one guy in an acoustic guitar, so, but basically my jam, I mean, what I do <laughs> musically, uh, but it's very, very weird and out there. It's like, you know, some guy playing with sounds and doing strange things with his voice and nonsensical lyrics. It's really very, very experimental. Yeah. And I, yeah, I love it. It's just, you know, just one of these things that you instantly put on and you say, oh, that's the Neverhood. It's, it's instantly recognizable. So Jesse, what, what's your favorite gaming soundtrack? This is hard. Uh, I have to say probably, uh, I mean, after you both just said uh, you don't like uh, 
<laughs> um, you know, compilations and that. Um, I have to. <laughs> no, I, I'd say Life is Strange. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, either of you have played that. Yep. Oh, I love it. Yep, big fan. Sorry, I was taking a big mouthful of water there. But yes, I do love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I think just that moment, I think it's one of the greatest kind of, uh, at the, the start of the very first game, the, the very first episode, when Max leaves the classroom and puts in uh, earphones and oh, uh, yeah. you hear the soundtrack. And I just think mm-hmm. that's always stuck with me as uh, a moment of where audio really just sticks out in the game and just really, really uh, brings it to life. But I, I would have to say that whole soundtrack hits that kind of acoustic-y indie vibe. I mean, it's a brilliant soundtrack, and something you know, it's really. I get really excited when you mention like a moment like that sticking with you. I mean, something that really stuck with me similarly was in the first Red Dead Redemption, or the first kind of of the the three D ones, the first of the new new wave of them. When you um like when you cross over to Mexico, I think the point was, and the world kind of opens up, and there's this brilliant score. And the reason I mention it is because it's a dude from nearby me, David Holmes, I think, did that soundtrack. And it's so nice, I think, when you have like a moment like that, a specific bit of a game that's forever tied to the music. It just it feels like a magic trick to me, and I like magic tricks yeah it doesn't get it doesn't get lost in the background you know um, audio can often get kind of pushed to the back and everyone forgets about it and i mean even though it adds to the atmosphere you the player doesn't always understand that that's actually you know uh they might be feeling a certain way because of the audio they might not actually be conscious of that but i yeah i love it when those little moments stick out uh and peter uh do you actually uh remember any games that you would say are, you know, nothing special, kind of mediocre, but because of their soundtrack or, you know, audio design, you thought they were, you know, memorable? Oh, that's such a good question. And so hard to answer. I'm, I'm racking my brain to think. <laughs> because so many, so often, I think, again, it's kind of like a magic trick. So, so often a game will have such a good soundtrack that it will be elevated in my mind to being an amazing mm-hmm. game. I, I think Pilot Wings 64 that I mentioned earlier might be one of them. I mean, I find that a relaxing game, but I've revisited a few times. And, you know, mm-hmm. N64 games in general, I find just because of the control scheme, you know, they feel a bit wonky and clunky to play now. Um, so I, I did revisit Pilotwing 64 a couple of months back. And, you know, I played through it a bit, but I didn't really have that good of a time. So I ended up just turning it off and listening to the soundtrack for hours <laughs> upon hours. <laughs> you know, I had a way better time than I was playing it. <laughs> so it might just about fall in, into that category for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably uh, one title out at the top of my head because uh, you know I, I just asked the question. I did not have an answer for myself, <laughs> but I thought I thought of an answer. Uh, it would probably be uh, one of the early uh, Castlevania games on Game Boy. Actually, mm-hmm. the, the second one, which I don't, I'm not remembering the title right now, but it has a fantastic soundtrack for the Game Boy, which uses you know the separate stereo channel. So if you listen to uh, with headphones on, it's great. And yeah, that soundtrack is fantastic. And sometimes, you know, remembering that game, I actually think, oh, you know, that game is really good, but it's not really good. Yeah, the soundtrack is really <laughs> good. Said, yeah. The game was, yeah, you know, the first Castlevania first trying the, you know, it's wetting its feet on the on the portable console. But yeah, not really good. The, the soundtrack was really good, but yeah, not the game. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Jesse, your turn now. You've had enough time to think of an answer, so. Uh, what was the question? I was putting a sock on. <laughs> just one, just only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a story need. behind that. There's a story, but <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to know where you were putting the sock on. Where you put a sock on? 
So, uh, you know, red hot chili peppers kind of thing. Um, (laughs) Now, the question was, can you think of any games that you were, you know, kind of mediocre, but you remember them as being memorable because of a great audio design or soundtrack or something like Hmm. that? If you want to put the other sock on while you think. (laughs) No, you know, I, I I actually can't, but I would say probably, I mean kind of related maybe like cyberpunk uh is probably uh the whole soundtrack to that game is probably better than the game itself hmm. <laughs> um yeah that's an interesting with one. its kind of yeah kind of synthy type futuristic look i i am a, a music pleb okay so i'm easily pleased i don't know uh <laughs> you know what's going on so this is this is you guys <laughs> <laughs> Right, Peter. It's up to me and you to save this. I, right. I guess so. Yeah, let's pull up our socks and, and get to business. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Actually, uh, I'm really, uh, really hard to please uh, now that I think about it. Uh, I mean, uh, for example, uh, going back to the whole uh, synthwave kind of uh, genre. Um, I do listen to some synthwave. I mean, present company excluded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which of course you know that I listen to Orthogram. Oh. Um but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I found it I find it that in games uh it tends to be used pretty lazily as a kind of genre, you know, kind of soundtracking obvious kind of cyberpunkish uh kind of games that you would really automatically expect to have that kind of soundscape accompanying the action so yeah it's either racing games or uh yeah also action games as well and i find it it's kind of lazy because i would think you know i would be, i would be really surprised to find a cyberpunkish kind of game you know with the whole neon effects and stuff to have a folk rock soundtrack that would be very yeah. interesting oh i you know, love that yeah 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 i, I, I... I think it's one of those things that it's a genre that, you know, I guess all genres do, but I guess it's particularly on on Vogue now, where it can be kind of a crutch to lean on, and it can be done lazily, you know? But I know all genres Mm -hmm. can, when you can have the most lazy kind of buy-the-book metal and stuff. Um, But I think think at the minute it's one of those things that maybe feels a little bit overused and uh, maybe in a slightly staid way. But it makes me so excited that there are so many artists kind of not doing that, you know. But um, uh-huh. I totally agree that it, it kind of bums me out when the music in the game is just just kind of there, no matter what genre it is. So yeah, totally. I would love a folk rock, a folk rock cyberpunk <laughs> game. Yeah, I mean, I would just I, I love it when worlds collide like that. So yeah, bring yeah. it on as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. So any developers out there who want to try their hand at a folk rockish kind of cyberpunk game, you got. Three buyers here, you know, ready to throw money away. So, you know, <laughs> consider us ready. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and while we were talking, I actually thought back to uh, another game that really made music the focus of the experience. And not talking, of course, about rock band or guitar here, because that's another kind of thing. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, now I'm, I'm missing the title. God damn um, Come on, uh, the you know the metal 
metal focused game by Team Schaefer. Oh, yeah, Br uh, Brittle, Brittle Deluxe? Is that what it's called? Br no, Brittle, oh. that's not, not, Brittle, Brittle Legend? Yeah, Brittle yeah, Deluxe yeah. Brittle Legend, called, yeah. Brittle, Brittle Legend. Brittle Deluxe is yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we, we got Thank there. Thank you. Thank you for the assist. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Brittle Legend was really maybe one of the, the you know, one of the games that we should have mentioned as being, you know, okay. Was it that memorable? Now, I don't know mm -hmm. if, you have, if you guys have played it. Um, but yeah, you know, the soundtrack was, uh, you know, stuffed to the brim with as many metal bands as you can think of. Yeah, everyone was there from Rammstein, Iron Maiden, Megadeth, <laughs> whatever. Everyone was there, even the really obscure stuff and the, you know, the extreme metal stuff, death metal and stuff. Uh, but still, do you think that actually made that experience better? It's a tough one because that, that's a game for me that. It's kind of, I would hold that in the same realm, maybe, as what we were talking about earlier, that the music was kind of elevated, maybe. And I love, like, Tim Schafer and stuff, but yeah. I remember that game kind of got a bit a bit boring halfway through. It changed tack and just became this kind of RTS thing that, that you know, uh, I wasn't that into it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, though. I mean, that came out probably when I was in the depths of a very metal phase. I mean, I'm kind of always mm. in the depths of a metal phase. I remember, <laughs> I remember like, sewing a lot of patches on a battle jacket around that kind of time. Oh, <laughs> so, awesome. It was the right time for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe maybe I should go back to it, because I don't want to be unnecessarily cruel about it. Um, but it was a game that I, it kind of lost, it lost steam for me a wee bit halfway through, I remember. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I remember some. I remember really pushing myself to finish it. And when that happens, I usually have no memory of actually having finished the game. And that that that's <laughs> yeah. what happened. I, I have no idea what happens after the the halfway point of the game. So <laughs> uh, I really can't remember. Um, and this brings me to another interesting thing. In that, I think the first time. Uh, okay, I had done I had done it before that, but the first time I really remember actually uh, wanting to own the uh, the soundtrack to a video game. Uh, I don't know for if for you Peter was the Yakuza series, but for me it was uh, with Full Throttle. Uh, talking oh, about Tim yeah. Schafer again mm. in 1995, because uh, I remember, of course, being really really in love with the whole you know biker kind of hard rock. Uh, sound of this unknown band that was the Gone Jackals uh, that no one has ever heard since. And I actually, I remember going off and writing an email. So we're talking about uh, like 96, 97. So really, you know, dawn of the internet, at least in Italy. Um, writing an email to the lead singer of the Gone Jackals and saying, oh, you know, man, you got a fan in Italy. Ah, you know, no. hey, yeah, he actually, I remember he actually replied and I was, you know, uh, elated. It was the best day of my life. Oh, I got a reply for, you know, from a guy. Yeah, he actually was called Keith, Keith Karloff. Uh, yeah, and then I, like a year later, went to San Francisco and I bought, I bought all of the CDs of the Gone Jackals that I could find because I think they're all in San Francisco. They're not anywhere else in the US, at least back then. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just went crazy. And, you know, listening back to it today, uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm not that <laughs> yeah. crazy about it anymore. I mean, it's, yeah, solid art rock from the 90s. Uh, yeah, nothing 
yeah, that's special, really. Uh, yeah, what about you, Peter? Was it the, the Yakuza series the first time? You know, it's, it's so funny you mentioned Full Throttle because that is a game that I was also uh, particularly obsessed with. It, but for me, I latched onto this weird bit of the soundtrack, and it wasn't particularly the Gonjackals. It was it was in, I think, the the uh, the female lead is called Maureen, and there's the first time you get to her hideout, there's this, like, like it's like a two chord little kind of Ooh, um, thing yes. that plays. And it's yes. so nice. It feels like going it's home. Great. It's the night. It's so beautiful. I adore it. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I, I love it to bits. Uh, in fact, I actually recorded myself playing it just a while back. And, you know, I, I think I posted it on my Twitter and no one really liked it that much. But I'm glad that maybe you <laughs> might have. <laughs> so I might take it out. But there's yes, yes, so, please. There's Dude. something so nice about that. And for me, it's weird that that was, again, I mean, that game came out, well, in 95. So that would have been like a really early time when I would have been really aware of the soundtrack. I just remember thinking at the time, and every time I play it, which is quite a bit, how much I just love that little kind of, um, like it's like a two-chord little thing that builds, and it's just mm-hmm. gorgeous, and it, it feels so homely and comforting. It was one of the first times I remember feeling like a game can be comforting and can feel cozy and stuff. Because I guess, you know, when I was younger and I was playing, like, I started playing Spectrum games when I was really young, then, then Mega Drive games and stuff. It was all about the kind of action and excitement. That was maybe the first time a game to me felt comfortable and cozy. And that was so nice. And it was, it was just cool. Yeah. It's great that you mention it because I actually, uh, when I recorded it, I used it as my ringtone on my phone for <laughs> like two or, two or three years. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I am still in love with that really small uh, bit of song. Yeah. It's, it's oh, that's, that's so nice to hear. Hi, cool. Yeah, uh, but you mentioned uh, actually the Mega Drive and the Spectrum. Sure, yeah. And so I would like to take a little step back before the PC games. And uh, do you think uh, growing up with uh, you know with an eight bit home computer and then with a with a sixteen bit console, uh, how do you think those uh, those experiences with you know those first kind of simple you know soundtracks and songs how do you think shaped your overall relationship to music i I think they did massively maybe less so on the spectrum although there were some great soundtracks um it was weird that you know i I didn't have a commodore 64 when i was growing up Mm. i got one a lot later when i was like like 13 or 14 um Mm -hmm. and then those soundtracks came alive to me but i I was i'd already fallen in love with music like the game soundtracks by that point so for me really it was the mega drive that the soundtracks really kind of took hold um and you know it seems like a like an easy one but usual kashiro's stuff is was and is mind-blowing to me you know uh like it, it just it turned Streets of Rage into something that was pretty cool and had a lot of punching people in the face. That's you know, yeah. that kind of cool, but turned it into this whole other thing. It kind of, you know, it it, it just it sounded like it sounded like the like the night. It sounded like the way going to an arcade should feel. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, even like when I was at university, I would stick on like my friends would come around and we would stick on uh, the Streets of Rage soundtrack and we'd have loads of noise complaints from our neighbours and stuff. <laughs> and it was just Yudo Kashiro pumping out so loud down the whole street, you know? I, I just, it's, they're soundtracks that I just still adore. Um, and, and I guess that soundtrack in particular gave me a love for electronic music in general that I guess I maybe wouldn't have had otherwise. So I, I owe a lot to old, old Yuzo. Um, and I like that he folds in a lot of stuff like jazz and... Uh, uh, and and stuff in into into his compositions, um, and that's always been a major thing for me. Is kind of slamming together different genres and bending them and twisting them. Um, so yeah, that 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 certainly for one has a huge influence on me. Um, 
and even listening to, listening back to like even like um even as simple as the Sonic one and two soundtracks. I mean, I guess there's a bit of nostalgia there, but I find them exciting, you know. Um, uh, and I guess they still have that kind of excitement. And there's stuff like on the flip side, I guess. One that I loved. Oh God, what's the dude's name? Um, the guy who did the soundtrack to the Sega CD versions of the Echo games. Um, his name is falling oh. out of my brain, but oh. they're so good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I can't think of the name. Spencer um, Nielsen. Maybe. Spencer Nielsen. That is the yep. dude. Um, okay. And I guess that would have been my first uh, introduction to kind of ambient music. And and again, mm-hmm. that felt really. It felt so different and kind of crystal and clear compared to the kind of slightly more almost chiptune leaning kind of stuff. Um, and it just again, it made me think about game soundtracks in a whole different way. Um, uh, and yeah, it, I just think it's a it's a wealth of kind of genre and experimentalism, and and again stretching sort of influences and and pulling in different influences to make something to make a world. I guess again, you know, it's um mm-hmm. it's something that I find really special. You know, it's really interesting talking about the Mega Drive because um those soundtracks are very simple. Um, you know, you're talking mm-hmm. like you you brought up uh, the chip tune and stuff, and there's not a lot to them, but it's also interesting that it's some of the most timeless uh, aspects of, of that console, as in, you know, you go back and play it and the graphics might not hold up or, you know, you're like, oh, yes, this isn't as good as I, I remember, but the music is always as good as you remember. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. It, it definitely feels like it doesn't age. It's kind of, it's I think you're right that it's arguably the most timeless element of the whole package. I actually grew up with a with a Commodore sixty four. As you know, many of our listeners are probably aware. Uh, you know, two, two or three of them, um, and uh, I think the, that experience. I mean, the the uniqueness, the unique sound of the Sid chip. Uh, I, I think really gave me an appreciate appreciation for uh, the whole electronic music that I wasn't really listening when I was a kid, even as a teenager. Something that I got into later. But yeah, I mean, it was very, very important for me, like later growing up, recognizing how much of an influence all these artists actually had. And it's amazing that they actually managed to do all these incredible soundtracks like, you know, uh, The Last Ninja or uh, Thing on a Spring, One Man and His Droid uh, in like, you know, with very, very little space. And they were working really with, heavy technical limitations and they managed to do really amazing creations that yeah to this day they're so fondly remembered and recognized yeah it's amazing yeah i I should stress that the martin galway of of said chips fame is from my is from the same place as me belfast northern ireland uh, yeah he's uh, so he he makes me proud of this (laughs) proud to be from here i think he's incredible uh was and is incredible you know uh uh just so many great works and um yeah, I just, I just wanted to give my my hometown a little shout out there. I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a shout out to Martin Galway is absolutely, uh, you know, right, and you know, I feel you, we owe him. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, what do you think would be uh, uh, a game that you would really like to make uh, a soundtrack to? So. Like you know, your dream, your dream game, and your dream soundtrack. What would you like to work on? Oh, that's it's such a good question. And you know, I, I guess I'm like you that I like the idea of kind of maybe breaking convention a little bit. So you know, I'd like to do like um, 
some something odd, like a, I, you know, I'm a big fan of jazz, jazz fusion, uh, and stuff. I like the idea of doing a jazz soundtrack, maybe in a game where it wouldn't typically be thought of in a, in a jazzy kind of sense. You know, I mean, you get those kind of um, there are lots of kind of uh, maybe jazz leaning games like uh, Valhalla and stuff, which, which fold in a bit of that. Um, you know, it's it's such a tough question. I mentioned Planescape earlier on. If there were ever to be another kind of Planescape uh, torment or Planescape set, a game set in the Planescape world, I would love to do that because I think there's the potential there to get really strange. You know, because it's it's a good it's a good place to it's a good world to work with because it's fantasy, but it's not quite fantasy either. You know, it falls just slightly outside of that that spectrum. Um, I think there would be a lot of scope to do some strange stuff there um so if uh if that were ever to, to fall on my lap I, I would be a very very happy man indeed yeah yeah you're right that can, actually could be an interesting uh spectrum to to work with uh in uh, you know moods and themes and also genres and yeah i, I actually remember playing uh, i don't know if you played it the, the 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 torment game that came out like two or three years ago Oh yeah, T- Tides of Numenera is that the one? Yes, that is yeah, Numenera, yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, I don't remember anything from the soundtrack, which is usually not a good sign. So I would say that that was kind of a step down from you know Planescape. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I mean, I know lots of people love that game. I feel like maybe I'm the one kind of in the wrong there, but it just again, it didn't. I did a brutal legend. I played half of it, and I just thought, you know, this this maybe just ain't, ain't for me. It just didn't quite click. Um, so hey, if they do another one, f- phone me. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> if you find out for now we're free, then maybe you know get get some time. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm on their speed dial. I'm not. I'm definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> While you're getting on, you know, getting your sock on, then you can you know work for on a couple of tracks. <laughs> so um, so Peter, how can your listen? Uh, can our listeners get in touch with you? Listen to some of your stuff. Well, I'm a big fan of Bandcamp. It's my favorite platform in the world. I just realized mm-hmm. I said that. It sounded like I work with them. I don't work for them. <laughs> <laughs> Rattled that off very quickly. This podcast <laughs> is sponsored by Bandcamp.com. <laughs> uh, I, I, <laughs> I do genuinely think very, very highly of Bandcamp. But for many reasons, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Spotify and stuff, partly because of Agreed. the kind of um, the, the the way they treat artists and stuff in terms of royalties. But just in general, mm-hmm. as a platform, it, it doesn't it lends itself. I find the kind of banality, whereas Bandcamp encourages weirdness, and I like I like that a lot. Uh, I like that there's mm-hmm. a community element with Bandcamp. That um, you know, I like it because people who the cool people who listen to my music or maybe even buy my music. They can talk to me on there, and I can talk back, and I find that very exciting. So, by all mm-hmm. means, if you want to uh, check out my stuff, Bandcamp is the place to do it. Bandcamp.com forward slash Alpha Chrome Yeo. No, that's not right at all. Alpha Chrome I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's it. The first one was the right one. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, you'll have to accept my first answer. Um, but yes, yeah. that's, the, that's the very best place. And I've got loads. Like I've got like I think at my last count like 185 songs on there. I also because I like it so much, I try I try to put extra stuff on there that you can't get in other places. So I've got loads of extra like uh, extra tracks. I've got weird like podcasts and stuff. I've got like a, an actual PDF cookery book that people can get. Um, so yeah, it's by far <laughs> the best place. Um, or if you just want to like hear me talk about weird stuff, you can check me out on Twitter and and all the usual kind of places like that. Um, 
but yeah, that's uh, if if you if you like the cut of my jib, let's be the best of friends. <laughs> <laughs> but On my website, Bandcamp. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can actually issue a warning to our listeners, if you're you know feeling kind of hungry, kind of peckish. Do not check out his Twitter because that would make <laughs> things worse. He posts some really good foot pics, uh, so I actually have to, you know, invite myself someday. So yeah, maybe yeah. So, uh, oh, when are man. you having dinner? Ten that minutes? Is... Okay, I'll be there in five. <laughs> All right, great. That is exceptionally kind, and you're both welcome round for dinner any any time. <laughs> I I genuinely mean that too. You know, I just uh, I I, I love I love to cook and. Uh, uh, actually, tonight uh, is one of the rare nights where, not one of the rare nights, my wife makes incredible food too, but she is making dinner for me this very evening, and I'm very excited about about having a, a day off cooking. Um, but yeah, I, I love it to bits. It makes me feel very happy. Um, yeah, it's 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 a good thing to do. Because, you know, <laughs> we all have to eat food to be alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we, eat, if we eat some good food, then maybe, yeah, it, it's a better life, you know? It's just... A bit more, you know, less, um, more tolerable, let's say. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I just can get enough. I just can get enough. The things you do to me and everything you say. I just can get enough. I just can get enough. Slipping.